Turn your Bibles to the Lucan account, the favorite account of Christmas, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. For a sermon entitled, Within You. It wasn't much of a place, but it was his. And it had been his father's before him, and his father's before him, and his father's before him, and so on. And there weren't many places like this in town. In fact, it wasn't much of a town. Just a small town down the road from Jerusalem. But it was the home of King David. Imagine that. A king being born right here in this little town. It made the town special, but it still didn't make it very big. He thought about that on this day of all days. The people were streaming in. They kept coming and streaming in from everywhere. Where are all these people coming from? He thought to himself. Business was good. It was almost too good. All the thatched rooms were taken, and now people were camping in the courtyard. The sights and the sounds and the smell of people and the animals milling around almost drowned it out. The sight and the sound of the coins, which were now collected and safely tucked away. As he moved about the crowd, he watched and listened, and he was nervous about some of the things that he was seeing and hearing. There's a great deal of anger and hostility in the bunch of weary travelers. The orders from Rome were being bitterly opposed but grudgingly obeyed. The census was Caesar's way of keeping his Roman boot on the, the necks of God's people. No one liked it, but what could one do? The penalty for rebellion was swift and certain, so they came. It was more than inconvenient for them. It was galling to the proud people who were united. Their one thing common was hatred for everything Roman. Those born of the house of David had report to the home of David, to Bethlehem, a little town whose names meant, meant the house of of bread. Well, well thought the innkeeper to himself, if they keep coming, there won't be any more bread left in town. But as the night went on, the mood of the travelers began to change. There was almost a, a festive attitude now. He breathed a sigh of relief as he was heading out to the gate of his inn. There were still more seeking admittance, and only a few more, and he'd have to start turning them away. Why, it was crowded already, and people were beginning to complain. Night was falling. And there, there on the distant hills, he saw the campfires of the shepherds, which meant they were finally settling down for the evening. He laughed to himself about the irony of it. Those dirty, profane shepherds tending animals that were destined to be used for sacrifices in the holy place in the temple. What a contrast. Lowly shepherds and unblemished lambs. 
why, why those shepherds wouldn't even be allowed entrance in the temple where their animals were going to be used as rituals. They weren't good enough, but their animals were. Oh, well, he said to himself, whoever, whoever said that life was fair. The night didn't seem like it was any different from other nights. A shepherd, perhaps two, were at the points of duty, gazing at the stars, maybe even wondering after all these centuries, was God ever going to hear the cries of his people? The shepherds took turns, so there was one or two at most away. An angel of the Lord all of a sudden appeared to the shepherds all at once, no forewarning, and the darkness was overtaken as if it was the very rising of the sun. The brilliance was overpowering. By now, every shepherd, his watch or not, was awake, but wondering if he were not somehow in a nightmare, and the glory, the dokes of the Lord were shining all around them, and the usually timid and spooky sheep seemed to be fine with all that was happening. They weren't afraid. Anyway, the shepherds weren't worried about the sheep by now. They were worried about themselves. It's natural that men should be afraid When the invisible, the unknown, suddenly becomes visible. When the celestial becomes earthly. The angel Lord anticipated their fear. First words, fear not, fear not. It was certainly easier for him to say than it was for them to do. They were fearful and they were helpless. But they trusted and they listened because they could do no other. First thing I want you to see this morning is the shepherds heard the message. The shepherds heard the message. Look at Luke 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people everywhere. For unto you is born this day, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the King, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a heavenly host glorifying God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, Toward men. They listened. The angel brought the good tidings that in Bethlehem, the city of David, the long awaited Messiah was being born today. The hope of the ages had now been fulfilled. The Savior is here. God's anointed one has arrived at last. It's good news. Good news for all people everywhere. The shepherds heard the message. Can you imagine the first time that you heard, really understood the news that Christ has come? How your heart danced with that understanding to know that now your sins can be forgiven, to know that the Savior has come, to know know that death no longer reigns, the Savior has come, to know that now your life can have purpose, the Savior has come has come to know that God has at last heard the cries of his people. The Savior has come. The shepherds heard the message. 
the new age had appeared and things would never be the same again. Some of us here this morning can remember the first time we ever heard, understood about the birth of that baby. Life forever changes when you understand that message. It focuses you to that point of ultimate choices. When you hear that message, life can no longer be lived in the neutral zone. You're forced to the point of decision. Are you, like the shepherds, hearing the, the message of the angels today? I don't know how many times this morning you've already heard the gospel story, and perhaps within your heart you are now numb to it. Those on television or live streaming or here in the sanctuary. You know the story so well, you don't understand the story. God is born and God becomes man. There is God's son, a helpless, crying, dependent baby that gives us hope. Without that Bethlehem baby, we have absolutely no hope. We have nothing to offer. The message is totally dependent upon that Bethlehem baby and all that he means and does. By now, perhaps for you, the, the storyline is way too predictable, too memorized. But hear the story again this morning as if the very first time God broke into history. A poor Jewish teenage girl was his mother, a stall in a small city his abode. The angels tell a bunch of shepherds about God's plan and God's act, and the kings of the world sleep in silence as the king of kings is born in a major bed. The angel gives them a sign, this is the one. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, now surely, in a little city as meager as Bethlehem, there would have been other babies in hand-me-down clothes that wasn't really the sign. The sign was he would have the cattle's feeding trough for his bed. Then from the depths of that invisible world, there were celestial beings all at once and a great heavenly host, a choir of angels who brought the tidings. It was the duty of all heavenly beings to constantly glorify God and praise him. They do so what they always do, but this time in front of the shepherds. The life of this Bethlehem baby, on one end you have a manger, on the, the other side, the bookend of his life, you have the cross, and both are humiliating, and both are fitting. Why, this Savior of the world will wear a peasant's garb in life. He will associate with fishermen. The lowly will be his disciples. The cold mounds are often his only bed. And he'll be the one to say that foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have their nests. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Nothing there for could be more fitting than the humiliation of being born in the barn and the stable. He laid aside all of his heavenly glory to take on humanity. Being in a manger, why that declared him to be the king of the poor, and he was. They doubtless were able to recognize immediately that he was one of them, one of the poor. The, look at the position they found him in, the shepherds. 
And this will be a sign unto you. You shall find that baby in hand-me-down clothes in a cattle trough. And the eyes of the poor imperial robes bring no affection. But a man who wears their own garb attracts their confidence. Working men cleave, the common man cleaves to a man who is of his own order, believing him because he knows their tolls, he knows their pain, and he knows their predicaments. The king of heaven was born as a Bethlehem baby. Not only did they hear the message, but secondly, they heeded the message. Corey Tim Boone once said, if Jesus were born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but not in me, I would still be lost. Now think about that for a moment this morning. If Jesus were born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but not in me, in me, I would still be lost. It is one thing, congregation, to hear the message. It is another thing to heed the message. Not only did they hear, but they also heeded the message. Has the Christ been born in you? Look at verse 15. It came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see the thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. The host of angels that appeared suddenly perhaps fades gradually. The shepherds see them ascending into heaven, and they say to one another, let's go and find. Some here this morning, you have heard, or some watching by television, you have heard the message of the birth of the babe, but you have failed in obedience. If he's born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but he's not born within your heart, it does you no good, you see. What kind of story would this be at the the shepherds heard the announcement of the angels, the glory of God, and the, the voices before them. What if they had been slightly disturbed and just went back to watching the sheep and never sought to find the mom and the dad and the baby that had been born? The story wouldn't make any sense, would it? How can you hear about the arrival of the Messiah, the Son of God, and not respond by going and worshiping and believing? You cannot simply hear this morning. You must also heed. The angels heard and heeded. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've heard the story, but you've never let that story impact or guide your own heart. To do so is to act as ridiculously as a shepherd who might ignore the message of the angel. The Son of God was now within their grasp. How dare they ignore him? The Son of God is now within your grasp. How dare you ignore him? By your presence today, you've heard. The question is this morning, will you heed? 
Jesus didn't simply come to teach us a better way or to show us how to live, though he did do that. He didn't simply come to heal or to cast out demons or even raise the dead, though he did all those things. But rather, he came to save us for God Almighty to turn us against unrighteousness and to save us from our sin. Because we all, all of us need a Savior. Joseph, the angel said, you're going to name this boy Jesus because he's going to save the people from their sins. What began at Bethlehem is accomplished at Calvary. What began in the manger is finished in the cross. The God-man, infinite and yet an infant, eternal and yet being born of a woman, Almighty and yet feeding from a woman's breast, supporting the universe and yet needing to be carried in his mother's arms, king of the angels and yet the reputed son of Joseph, heir of all things and yet a carpenter's despised son. They heard and they heeded, but thirdly, they also heralded the message. Look at verse 17 and 18. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wandered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in their hearts. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. They could not possibly keeps us such a wonderful message to themselves, but rather they heard and they heeded, and then they had to go and herald and tell others that the Christ, that God, had been born in Bethlehem. The message has been shared with you, and you must, in turn, share it. Could you imagine for a moment this morning that the shepherds would hear the message of God, the glory of God, and then they would walk away and not tell anyone about the things they'd experienced, about the angelic choir? Could you imagine they'd walk away and not tell anybody else in Israel that the Messiah had been born in Bethlehem? Oh, no. No, they were like the robin of the morning that had a song to sing. They were like the watchman on the wall that had a horn to blow. They were going to tell everyone but all they'd experienced. They were men with hope and joy to share. What about you this morning? Perhaps you have heard and heeded, but you've not heralded the message. We must share the good news, congregation. The Great Commission cannot become the great omission because we don't do our task of sharing the gospel. We cannot become the keepers of the aquarium and cease to be fishers of men. We have to do the go and tell like the shepherds did. If this world is ever going to hear the message, it must be done by all of us, all of us. I looked it up. Do you know how many football team members could be on a D1 football team? I was absolutely astonished. Some of you might know the number. But a Division I NCAA football team can have on the roster 125 football players. 
that's a lot of football players for the few that are on the field. Now, can you imagine a football game being reversed? Anybody want to go home and now the NFL is more like 50. Anybody want to go home this afternoon and watch the NFL to have 50 players on the sideline and put the coaches on the field and let those few coaches play and the players shout and jump up and down like they do? The 125, a lot of them just jump up and down from what I've seen, up and down and up and down. Can you imagine watching uh, one of the bowl games? All the players get to go to the bowl game, all 125. Can you imagine saying, hey, let's try something different. Let's put our coaches against your coaches and line up 125 football players cheering on the handful of coaches on the field. You'd say, that doesn't make any sense. The coaches are to coach the players to be on the field. Well, sometimes, church, we want our ministers and our missionaries to do all the sharing of the gospel it's the same thing as having the football team on the sideline and urging the coaches onward. Have you been on the field? Have you heralded the message of the Christ? Dr. Lynn Broughton, founder of the Baptist Tabernacle in Georgia, one of the great preachers of generations gone by, he was in the foyer of his church, and he saw a teenage boy there. He began a conversation with him, and he said, Son, where do you go to church? He said, Well, I go, I go right here. Well, how long have you been going to, to our church? And the boy said, For nine years. Well, he'd been going since he was five, and now he was 14. As the conversation continued, Pastor Broughton asked him, Well, son, are you a Christian? He said, No. He said, well, why not? He said, I really don't know how to become a Christian. Lynn Broughton thought to himself, nine years in this church, and he doesn't know how to become a believer. In 15 minutes in the foyer of the church, the pastor shared the gospel with that 14-year-old boy and led him to Christ. The pastor went back to his office and wrote in his journal, I was able to do in 15 minutes, one-on-one -on -one with the boy, what I could not accomplish in nine years of preaching. Not only do we hear and heed, not just the coaches, but the players have to be busy sharing the gospel. One-on-one, -on -one, Person to person. Who in your family doesn't know the Savior? Have you prayed for her, for him? Who in your workplace needs purpose in a church family? Have you invited them to come and worship with you? Like the shepherds of all, we must hear and heed and herald. Now, they were not worthy, the shepherds, for sure. They were on the margins of life. We are not worthy. But God places this Bethlehem baby before us and says, I'm going to do a wondrous thing. But we must let him be born our own life. If Jesus were born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but not in you. You are still lost 
and hopeless. The Bethlehem baby awaits. He says to all of us when he arrives, come to me. He says to all of us, follow me. He says to all of us, come and die with me. And then he says, and only then, you can rise with me. I know the baby was born in Bethlehem. My question this morning is, has a baby been born within you? If not, you're still lost. The angel said to Joseph, you name this boy Jesus because he can save people from their sins. That's what we need this morning, isn't it? A Savior. Because all of us have done life our own way and not God's way. We need that one to come and to die in our place that we can die with him and rise with him. Will you this morning make his death your death and his resurrection your resurrection? Bow together with me. If you're here this morning and you've never had that Bethlehem baby born in your own heart, whether you're live streaming or on TV or here in this room, would you pray in your own heart quietly? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've lived life my way and not your way. Forgive me. I invite Jesus into to my heart to be born in my heart. That I can be saved from the crushing blow of sin and death. Right now, at this moment, the Bethlehem baby is born in me. Amen.